cool. So this is Taco Tuesday Girl. Hey, I know her. Yeah. Um. This is not boring. Um. I agree with that. Um. My long form unedited conversation. I love it. Guys, welcome back to Insanely Chill. Thanks for tuning back in. Today uh, is a little bit of a different episode. I know, uh, I don't know if you've been listening since the start of the relaunch of this show, you may know that um, the reason why I did this is to start talking more about not only training stuff and you know what's going on in my life athletic-wise, but also business stuff. And we did an episode where we chatted with the CEO of Liquid Death. I really enjoyed that. And now this one is probably going to be the most business-focused episode we've done um, because our guest today is Sean Peary. He is the host of my favorite business podcast. It's called My First Million. Uh, and I listen to pretty much every single episode. Um, him and his co-host, Sam Parr, they just talk about... They're both accomplished entrepreneurs and they talk about entrepreneurship, but, uh, you know, from a pretty grounded place, I think. Uh, and so he hit one of our producers up or I forget how we got in touch, but his producer um, hit up me. Yeah. yeah cool. Thanks. And said, I'm going to be in L he's Sean's going to be in LA. And so we set this up and so he's going to come in and talk, uh, about, you know, we're going to chat about business. And, um, so if that interests you, definitely stay tuned because he's a really smart guy and uh, i'm pumped to talk with him and if it doesn't interest you then maybe keep listening because maybe you'll get something out of it who knows you'll learn a little something something um so yeah that being said thanks for tuning in uh make sure you you know follow the socials insanely chill pod and uh leave us a review and like this video on youtube and i appreciate you and uh enjoy all right cheers again <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Great to meet you. I'm a big My First Million fan. Um, I probably found you guys like middle of last year. I was training for an ultra marathon. And so I would be, which was a trail run. So like I would train in the mountains of Malibu where yeah. there's zero service. So I would just download it's like, like five episodes. Yeah, the mountains of Malibu were the toughest. The mountains of Malibu. The rough mountains of Malibu. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I would just download five episodes of your podcast and then. But how'd you even know about it? Like, uh, what put it, it on your like, radar? Dude, I always see it on the Spotify, like, recommended page. Oh, okay. So. Top of the charts, baby. Top of the charts, <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, who are these guys? And so, uh, yeah, want, I really want, like it. But I like it because I listen to other business podcasts. And I feel like a lot of, I don't know, startup Silicon Valley talk is, like, very, I don't know, higher level, philosophical. Like, doesn't feel accessible. And I like that you guys talk about entrepreneurship from a more grounded, accessible way. Like it feels like when I'm listening and you guys just spout off ideas, I'm like, I could do any of these. Right. And it's the first I've heard like that. Yeah, th that actually goes the credit for this to Sam because Sam is like, I mean, this is the best way possible. Sam's like a simple, like a simpleton. He's like a simple dude. So like if you throw something complicated at him. <laughs> wow, he'll... Sam just caught a stray there. <laughs> Sam's like got a real basic mind. <laughs> Yeah, just he's super real, basic, but in the guy. best way possible. Because <laughs> yeah. he'll, if you, tr he's like, a, it's like a bullshit wall. And Silicon Valley just throws tons of like jargon, bullshit, like crazy concepts at you. And they almost sound, they sound, they don't make any sense. And then you're like, 
I guess I'm just not smart enough to get them. Sam has the other like response where he's just like, that sounds weird, dude. I don't know. Like, you know, that that's dumb. Like, what do you mean? Why don't you just charge money for it? Right. Yeah, yeah, and he'll yeah. just say, he'll just break it down into much more simple, like, I don't know, like basics. And, uh, and so that kind of became where we swerved was towards stuff that me and him got along on, which was like, yeah, you could just like, you know, his first business was a hot dog stand. Mine was a sushi restaurant. So That's it's like, what I'm saying. I we started that. with really basic stuff. Yeah. Now we live in Silicon Valley and other stuff, but like, that's not the pedigree, you know, that yeah. we came from. So, yeah, it feels like when I listen to some other startup podcasts that are in, you know, based in Silicon Valley or whatever, and talking about startups there and tech and whatever, it's always like boy geniuses and raising, yeah. uh, you know, series C raises and all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, this is, I'm not in that world anymore. And I, I used, used to live in Silicon Valley, but I don't. I'm building a podcast studio in LA. It's like completely right. different, and I'm bootstrapping it. It's like like one of our ideas. Nobody on, talks about bootstrapping businesses. You know, one of the ideas on the pod was like, dude, finding a studio to do your podcast in. If you're like, you know, if you don't have this, like this is dope, obviously. But like most people don't have this. Uh, and we were like, dude, why isn't there just like a van that'll just like you say, hey, I'm doing a pod with this guest, like yeah, just a, a, a studio van that will just roll up, and like you can kind of make a business out of these sort of like these assets were like, it's not, it's not that expensive to buy these, these fans, either like a U-Haul van or whatever, and to kit it out with a couple of microphones and cameras. And so it's like, yeah, you write think, that down. Think, we should do that. I think you can make the, the, the numbers <laughs> work and it's not going to be huge, but it, like yeah. a lot of people who listen to our shit, they're not trying to make a billion dollars. They're trying to be like, cool. Like, I don't like my job. I kind of want to like, I want to be financially free or whatever. You know, I want to make money, but I'm not, like I don't need to change the world with my idea. In totally. fact, the more 100%. accessible the idea, the more interesting. And that's kind of like a little random niche that we carve. But uh, before we even do that, I mean, like I gotta, I gotta like take this in. This is is this how the YouTubers do it? This is how the YouTubers live here in, in LA? Like, is this like is like Logan Paul next door? Is this like what a YouTuber's life is like? No, Logan Paul is in Puerto Rico. Yeah. <laughs> Logan Paul is not in California. Right <laughs> yeah, now. I think to evade taxes. Yes, yeah. that's what the real YouTubers do. <laughs> right, they go down because they're making like, that much money. Who, who are you guys? What are you guys? You, you're this guy sitting like directly behind a camera <laughs> yeah. with the microphone. I have yeah, no idea sorry. what he's gonna do. This yeah. is amazing. This is Zach. He's one of our producers at TMG Studios. But you got the mic, so you're live. I'm, I'm live. I, for this I run the tech for this show, and then I'm a producer for one of the other podcasts on the network. Trillionaire mindset, which your viewers might like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> first million. Yeah, have you ever seen that? I saw the title of it. Yeah, because we make this joke on the pod because there's like these Instagram accounts that are like, you just got to have that millionaire mindset, that yeah. the hashtag grind set. You got to be on that mindset. And I'm like, what are these guys rapping about? And so we joke about the the hashtag trillionaire mindset, hashtag grind set. I do notice you guys have been putting an effort to make your YouTube better. Yeah, because we're just like, dude, how do you grow a podcast? Like, our podcast has grown. Um, like, how big is it now? So it's now. I don't. What do? You, how do you do it? Because I get. I usually throw out the vanity metric, the fake metric, which is like downloads. Like, oh, we did twenty five million downloads this year. But like, anybody knows that's kind of a BS number because it's just based on how many episodes you put out. Like, the real number that matters is listeners per episode. Okay, right? that's like the one I care about. Because right. like, it, like there's a, there's one tech podcast um, that this guy does like every day for like five minutes, and he's like, yeah, we get like a million downloads a month. It's like, oh, cool, but like you have. 5,000 subscribers, and you're just pumping out like yeah, yeah. tons of things, and they're just auto downloads in their phone. Yeah, so that's I not see. really the real thing. So, uh, so yeah, we get like something like 20, 25 million downloads a year, but the listeners per episode is now, I want to say like 150,000. That's awesome. Which that's was cool. my goal um, 
for year one of the podcast. It's now year three of the podcast. So, yeah. you know, like I, I kind of, you know, overestimated how fast I'd be able to grow this thing. I mean, it takes a lot longer. Podcasts than don't really they don't grow. They like, don't. It's so hard. <laughs> but they're super sticky. And uh, so, like, once you get somebody to listen to your podcast, they don't really stop. And they trust you at this level that's, like, um, just way different. So, like, you you know, you'll meet somebody who's got a TikTok following. And they'll be like, yeah, hey, I got, like, 2 million followers on TikTok. But I don't think that's really the right way to look at it. I think you got to, like, there's, like, an equation. It's, like, uh, you know, your, like, the audience value is, like, you know, the, the followers times how much they actually give a shit about you times, like, you know, the um, maybe, like, the frequency that you reach them. So, like, you might get TikTok followers, but you're not showing up in their feed that much, or they don't really know anything about you versus a podcast where you're like in their ears for two, three hours a week. They feel like they're your best friend, right? I'm sure you get this all the time where you meet yeah. people and they, they know so much about you. They kind of feel like they hang with you all the time. And uh, therefore, you know, that's like, that turned out to be really valuable. So for me with the podcast, that turned out to be really valuable from like a, um, we could talk about like business stuff, like that turned out to be a good business move even and, though that wasn't the intention. I just started it for fun. Like I didn't cuz you wanted to talk about business or what? Well, I had sold my company right. and so I wanted to do I wanted to do something, right? Yeah. When you sell a company they're like, "All right, great. Your earnout is 3 years." It's like, "Okay, cool. I'm not going to like they kind of know and you kind of know. I'm not going to like give it my full all <laughs> you know you know like <laughs> i sold yeah, yeah. for a reason like i built the fucking company i'm kind yeah, of done if i wanted to work hard i would have just kept the company like right, you know yeah, like yeah. at this point so so they but they kind of know right so but there's a there's a problem which is that as you're earning out the deal you do want to get the check so you can't just go start another company <clears throat> that's the only thing i knew how to do was go start another company so i was like all right what can i do that's creative and fun that feels like creating something but won't violate my agreement with uh like we sold to twitch so it's like you know won't violate my agreement with twitch and so i was like oh i can do a podcast sounds like super harmless no nobody here will care if i have a podcast and so i used to just dip out in the middle of the day go record the podcast and then like come back and they were like oh that's awesome you're being a creator you're really like that's what twitch is all about empowering creators right so there was no like issue there so i just needed something to do and i wrote a doc like you have this google doc here but like i wrote a doc like this like a one pager that was uh my plan. And my plan literally was like, my plan is to record this podcast. I think uh, if my calculations are correct, I'll lose $15,000 this year, like just paying for the production and editing and all that. And nobody will really listen to it. Maybe my mom and a few others, but like podcasts are just this hack where you can invite somebody to be a guest on your pod and they'll show up yeah, and right. like where they wouldn't meet you just to meet you. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I know all these people in Silicon Valley. I have no excuse I have no reason to hang out with them, but I know they're awesome. I know if I hung out with them, we'd enjoy it, but like, I don't drink coffee even. So I'm like, what am I going to invite these people to? That's like some excuse to hang. Yeah. So the podcast was literally just supposed to be that. And now it's like, you know, whatever it's like in the top 10 on the business podcast and like, you know, makes good money and we spun off three different businesses from it. So now it's become a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you meet Sam or how did you like, uh, Sam is like a hustler. So Sam emailed, cold emailed me. Many years ago. He knows how to email? Simple guy. Like. <laughs> Big <Barely>. on email. <laughs> Big email guy, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so he emails me and he's like, hey, Sean, uh, dude, heard heard great things about you. I'm like, I've never even heard of this guy, right? So I'm like, heard what from who? But I instantly I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of flattered. Like, I don't get most emails like this. Right. He's like, heard great things, dude. Can't wait to meet sometime. Uh, hey, listen, so I'm Sam. I'm hosting this conference and um, it's coming up, and it's got all these great speakers, and I need to host a dinner. I heard your office is amazing. 
You want to host the dinner? You can join and you'll meet all these great speakers. Just give me the venue for free. And my office, I had a, like our office in San Francisco was like baller. And so I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. So I just met Sam through that. I basically, he kind of like conned me into like letting him host this huge event at my office and like, you know, yeah. 50 people over. And, uh, but during that thing, I was like, who is this guy? And so I got kind of got to know him there. And that was right before he started The Hustle, which was his, his company. And so then I kind of like, uh, we were in like a, sounds kind of lame, but like a mastermind together where you meet once a month and you sort of are like, it's like founder therapy. You're like, uh, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what's not going well. <laughs> and it's the only place a founder of a company can really go say, here's what's not going well. Because like, you can't say that to investors. If you say that to your employees, they kind of freak out a little bit. Right. You can't say it to customers. They're like, oh, I don't want to be associated with this. Like, It sounds like it's not going so well. So this is like the only place where you can be like, yeah, this shit's not working. And other people are like, oh, I've been there. Yeah, try this. Or They'll just ask you five questions, and as you talk it out, you're like, oh, I guess it's not so bad after all. And, and so, you guys would do that together? Me and Sam did that for, oh, I for see. like years, and then before we even started the podcast. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's how I knew him. And then uh, when I started the podcast, I was like, oh, well, no one's going to listen to this. But I had like, I was like, well, I want people to listen. Sam's got this, his, e his email newsletter, The Hustle, had I think a million subscribers at that time. And so I was like, dude, you have a million subscribers, but you have no audio content. Why don't you do a podcast? He's like, ah, too much work, not enough money, blah, blah, blah. I was like, cool, I'm doing it. I'll pay for it. I'll do it. And I'm going to really try. Will you just be my publisher? Like, you distribute it. I'll do the content. We'll split it all 50-50. So that's how it started. Uh, okay. He wasn't even on it at that time. Uh, okay. And then just randomly one Friday, I was like, yo, you come in here and you be my guest because somebody, you know, is out or whatever. And uh, we started riffing. I think this is kind of how your thing is with Noel, where it's like instantly you're like, oh, okay, this chemistry is good. And I always had this theory that like people come to a podcast for the information, but they stay for the banter. And so, and, and tech podcasts, they're always so they're always so dry. Yeah. So um, when I knew that me and Sam had a little bit of banter, I was like, oh, this is you know. As Sam says, like, you know, we're a dwarf amongst midgets. Like, you know, we're, oh, we're going to be more entertaining than the average tech podcast. Right. Well, the, the bar's not that high, right. but it was working. And so we just, like, stuck with that. And that took off. I did think it was really interesting when I was listening to, to My First Million for the first time. And then you guys started talking about Sam founding The Hustle. And I was like, what the fuck? I read that every single yeah. morning. I had no idea. Right. Which was just a funny, like, realization. And uh, I love that newsletter. I still read it. It's fucking awesome. And you started one for crypto stuff? Yeah. So I uh, uh, last year I was like, oh, Sam's business was great. Again, I was kind of making fun of him about it when he started it because I was like, oh, you're going to do an email newsletter? Like, We're taking a quick break to thank our sponsor, TMG Studios. And before you say anything, yes, it's completely fine that my own production company sponsored my own podcast. Daddy's got to scratch his own back sometimes. When you sign up for TMG Studios, you don't just get ad-free episodes of Insanely Chill, you get all of our shows ad-free. And with the Studios tier, you get access to hundreds of unfiltered bonus episodes from our other shows like Brooke and Connor and TMG. So go to TMGstudios.tv and sign up for TMG Studios tier to get access to ad-free and bonus episodes. Where's, where's the business part? Like, what do you mean? And he was like, no, I think this can be big and I think this can be a big business. And sure enough, he ended up selling it for tens of millions of dollars and did really well. And so saw that whole thing play out again from before he started the idea to after. And I, and then I've been really interested in crypto and I was like, okay, well, um, what if I just did the hustle for crypto? And it was literally like as simple as that. And I, because I had seen him do it like month after month in those masterminds, I knew the whole blueprint. I knew like what goes wrong. I knew how he fixed it. I knew all those things. And so I just like did that. And so we did it 
and in um, you know we did it for about we launched about a year ago, and uh, and then we just recently sold the company, so it went really well. Um, it grew it grew pretty fast, so we grew it to like quarter million subscribers and a uh, couple million in revenue, and then we we decided to to sell it to these other guys who are awesome and go on to the next project. Was it hard to find like writers and like how did you even start doing that in the beginning? It's not that hard. Um, I thought I would have to write it initially, but then I was like, it's a daily email and um, I can't do anything like on a schedule like that. Like my body just like starts to reject it. Um, so I was like, I have a business partner, Ben. And I was like, yo, Ben, like, okay, you're going to write it. Uh, and I teach like a writing course. Ben had helped me teach this thing to a thousand people. So like he had sat through it five times just as a byproduct of helping me run it. Okay. So I was like, dude, you sat through this five times. If you can't write this thing by now, our course sucks. Right. Like, you know, you should be able to do this. So right away he was writing it. And people were like, dude, Sean, love your newsletter. And I was like, great, I'm not writing it. So I never wrote it from day one. Okay. Ben did. And then pretty soon Ben was a little bit too busy because you got to do sponsorships and do other stuff. I was like, Ben, we got to find a writer. And a guy had DM'd us who was just like sending us like ideas for stories and memes and stuff like that. And I was like, this guy's amazing. Let's try this guy. He had no background in writing. He, I, don't, I have no idea what he even did before this. Like, I don't even know if he had a job. I've, I know nothing about this guy. But he came on board and he just like has crushed it since then. And then we... I heard a couple others to like just give him some support, but yeah, they wrote it from basically the beginning. See, Zach, it's not that hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> he runs. If our, you have that trillion, he runs our mindset. He, he runs our newsletter. <laughs> yeah, he's, so we could grow that to a couple million bucks. Yeah, <laughs> that would be nice. Exactly. Really you get nice. He says it's not that hard, so can you get on that. <laughs> for us? Thank you so much. Yeah, we're getting ads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got an ad last time. <laughs> we did. We have. We've been <laughs> we doing it for like ad. a year <laughs> now. We got yeah. an ad. <laughs> A single ad. So that's a start, though. Also, you make it sound like an accident. Like, it just happened. It hit us. Somehow, like, an ad got in. (laughs) Oops. Uh, Let's let's take it back. You went to Duke. Yeah, you went to Duke. I did, yeah. Did you go there for undergrad or? Undergrad, yeah. Wait, so we were there at the same time? Same time. I think I'm a a couple years older. I graduated 2010, so I think I'm uh, Yeah, but we were there. I graduated 2012, so we were. Yeah, but I was just like, I wasn't doing anything. So, like, you wouldn't have seen me because you'd be like, oh, is he at the game or the party? I wasn't doing anything. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't do the Greek life. I didn't do sport. You did all of it, right? You did like sports. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, sports and Greek life. You basically look like everybody that went to Duke, by the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, if you go to Duke, like, Cody gets it from all sides. That's not a compliment. <laughs> That's time. not a compliment. No, because at Duke, you, guys like you run the place, right? You were an athlete, Greek guy, white guy. You're great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not. I was like, I was like, you know, Canadian, too nice, short kid. You know, they're all like, I mean, the, Guys who run it are like the athlete, you know, like the football players, the like I don't football know, players, lacrosse don't players, know. the <laughs> basketball, um, players. basketball players. Right. Not but the for divers. me, it was like I'm a diver. <laughs> yeah, but hey, you're like funny hey, too, you guys right? Like diving. So you had funny also. That was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know. And well, I was funny and I was a computer science so like major. So that was like, you know, I wasn't the most. That wasn't the most social part of my life for sure. But yeah, I wasn't a frat. Um, I did. Uh, athletics. I was a diver, um, but you didn't do anything. You're saying Chick Fil A. You know that Chick Fil A that's oh like on God, West Campus. That's, that's why when I got introduced to Chick Fil A, Chick Fil A crossword puzzles. Like you know, these were like things I was like. These are like parts of my day that were like you know these yeah. are meaningful tent poles of my day. Yeah. Like, All right, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go to the loop. I'm gonna uh, try to get the crossword Dude. today, and then I'm gonna. Damn. I remember calling my dad. Nostalgia and I was like, I was hitting like, right now. <laughs> the loop. That's long gone. Yeah, I, I went back and everything yeah, yeah. is like everything's destroyed. different. <laughs> yeah. So I, I called my dad once and I was like, um, 
hey, if you want me to transfer, I'll transfer. And he's like, what? Like those guys came out hot. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I know the school's really expensive. And I just feel like I'm blowing it. Like, I'm not like doing anything here. I was like, my grades aren't bad, but they're not great either. I'm just like middle of the road. I don't have like all these other people doing these extracurriculars and they like, I just feel like everybody went to some orientation that I missed and they're all doing something. I don't even really know what it is yet, but I kind of know that I'm not really like, you know, whatever season the day here. And I was like, if you want to just transfer to a state school, I'll do it because this doesn't make sense. And to do, and when I was telling him this, he actually gave me some great advice. He goes, um, as I was ranting about it, he's like, what, explain what you mean. Like, who do you think is doing all this stuff and taking advantage of it or like excelling in some way. And I was like, well, my friend, this guy, he's like on this team, he's doing this thing. This guy like already knows what he wants to do. He wants to be like, you know, whatever in banking. And so he's got all these internships. I don't even know where to do that. Uh, this guy like wants to be a doctor, but he's like driving an ambulance in the summers on the Palestinian war front. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't have any of those things. And he, he gave me some dope advice, which was, he was like, that's why you're there. He's like, you're not there for the classes. You're not there for all. He's like, you're there to be around other people who are like that. Right. Because if you're just around those people for four years, your standards are going to go up. You're going to be like, I need to do things and I need to have some, a plan for the summer. And he's like, if I just send you somewhere that's more, that's easier for you and you're more comfortable and maybe you're kind of ahead of the curve, you're not going to get better. Right. And so when he told me that, I was like, oh, that's why I'm at Duke. And then I started to like pay a little more attention to like what to actually do when I'm on campus and had to take advantage of this like four year, you know, experience a little more, but it was, you know, it was kind of the end of the experience too. What was your major? Uh, I was pre-med, so I thought I was going to be oh, a doctor. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. And then you, so then you graduated. I did, and, I did everything. Like, I was, really? I was like on the doorstep and then. And I, then you decided to open a sushi restaurant instead? <laughs> yeah, as, as one does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The classic. Yeah. Well, I got lucky. I like, um. I finished all my pre-med requirements and there was this one class. I don't know if you remember like rate my professor. Yeah. Use that. Did you use that when you were there? Like I was at the end, I was like, oh good. Like, let me just take the easiest classes I can take. Yeah. Again, this was my mindset back then. Like, how do I take the easiest road possible? Yeah. So I was just like sorting by ease. And there was one teacher who was <laughs> like so funny. I used that shit all the time. Me too. That's yeah. more yeah. nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. I would pick classes based on that. Yeah. That's so right. Funny. And that's kind of like, you know, a terrible. <laughs> it's like you know it's like sometimes i'm with my personal trainer working out and then he like turns around he like told me to do 15 i'm like oh he's not looking i can do 11 i'm like <laughs> i'm paying this dude to get a result You're yourself yeah, yeah what am i why am i trying to yeah and i've now recognized it but that's what my whole college experience was was yeah. doing that okay. basically anyways at the easiest professor who also had a chili pepper next to her name which meant she was hot was this woman named <laughs> lisa keister it's true. They had that. That was a feature of the website. I couldn't have been the it's only true. one who like was factoring that in. Otherwise, they only had four things. It was like ease, world back then. Uh, you yeah, know, like right. you know, helpfulness and yeah. like chili pepper or no chili pepper. Right. So uh, the woman who taught it, she was a former student. She actually went to Duke. She graduated. She got rich and retired by thirty. Came back and now she teaches this class there. She taught it at that time called Getting Rich. And um, so we were like, oh, awesome. Sign us up. And we like stayed up all night, got, went to the library to get the fast computer that like get in that class right away, got in. And that's where the game kind of changed. Uh, she kind of was doing clickbait. Like it had nothing to do with getting rich. It was basically like on one hand, it was like adult stuff, like personal finance. Like, yo, here's what a mortgage is. And like, uh, if you start saving early, look what happens, you know, versus saving later, you know, like just good, like stuff you should learn in college. And she's like, I don't know why she's like, I'm teaching this because I couldn't believe nobody taught this when I was at Duke. 
They still don't. And they still don't, right? Like, just her one class of 40 people was the only people, like, hearing these really important things. And then every other class, she would just invite somebody in who was like, uh, she started a t-shirt company. This guy started a hedge fund. This guy did this other thing. And they would just come in, and they would talk, and you could ask questions. But, the like, I don't remember what they said, but I do remember my reaction, which was, okay, the common message for all these people is, at the beginning, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I, I knew nothing. So I'm like, okay, I'm like them. I know nothing. And then I just figured it out as I went. And you could just tell the way they were talking and living, the fact that they were in our class just chilling, hanging out with us. I was like, their lifestyle seems to be pretty awesome. So like it's kind of an end goal I would want of being like maybe a successful business person. And then the the last thing they said was like, also, there's no risk. Like, look, when I – you want to work at a hedge fund? Like, look, I'm looking at all the resumes. And at all the resumes, it's just like the top three-fourths all look the same. It's just like I went to this college. I got a degree. I got a three-point whatever GPA, and I did some BS extracurriculars. Like, I can't differentiate from that who's good and who's bad. They all look identical. He's like, so the only thing I can go to is the the other section at the bottom, which is like, what's your interesting story? Like, uh, okay. have you done anything? And he's like, so if you go try something, anything, like you know, go be a, go try to blow up on Vine, like whatever, you'll have something in there that will catch my attention, make me want to talk to you, and then you know from there, <laughs> Vine star. Yeah, <laughs> who yeah. is this guy? But it is like when I like right before I came on here when I was like. Uh, who, you know, let me do some research on Cody. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know you. Were, I only knew TMG, by the way. So I didn't know yeah, the, yeah. The, the origin story. And I told you, I only watched the clips. And I was like, whatever. I, I think you guys do a dope job with your production. So I've, I always send that to our team being like, why aren't we like this? Oh, thank you. But, yeah. but, I go- yeah. but I Googled it and it was like Vine, it was like Vine, blah, blah, blah. Um, Something with Cameo, which I kind of remember the Cameo guy telling me that I think you you were maybe one of the early ones that helped Cameo blow up. Yeah, it's like my best friend that started the company. Right. And Steve or the other guy? Devin. Devin. Okay. I'm Steven was in our fraternity too, so right. I'm really good friends with him. But right. uh they started it in our apartment. I feel like whenever you say fraternity, you have to be like you have to like do the shot, you're like shake it up or whatever. Like you have to like say the thing still. Like, <laughs> Dude. <laughs> you gotta like still rep it. Isn't that like part of the contract? <laughs> yeah, you gotta do that for life. Every single time. Yeah, you just have to like do a quick hand signal. This kid came up to me at Waterfront, which is a bar like on the boardwalk. And I was sitting at a table and he came up and he was like, he's a British guy. He's like, yo, you hazed me. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And he was like, you hazed me. Apparently, I came back for my five-year college reunion and I went to like a pledge meeting for our fraternity. <laughs> and I like, I don't know, I made him do push-ups or something like that. And and he was there at the bar, and he was like, I'm a huge fan, but I can't believe, like, you hazed me. Right. And I was like, dude. <laughs> also, it's, it sounds like it wasn't push-ups, by the way. He yeah, wouldn't yeah. remember that if it was, you made me do push-ups. It's like, it's like you remember what you did, right, yeah, Cody? Had, like, push-ups no, while I was naked what? and blah, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was like, it was a lot of eating-based stuff. That was our pledging. Like what? Like, we had to eat, like, butter, butter in a hot dog bun. Like, just a stick of butter. It was called right. a butter dog. And like call that Tuesday, what do you mean? And covered in (laughs) covered in chewing tobacco. Oh, okay. Eating that and then throwing up like in our own shirts and you know shit like that. Dude, I mean that's what I did. (laughs) I met a guy who went to college in India and I was like, "Do you have frats there?" I just like I don't know. We were saying something. I was like, "Does India have frats?" He's like, "Oh yeah, we have." And he's like, "It's really bad though." I was like, "I was like what?" He's like, "They call it ragging there, hazing." And he's like, "The ragging is just..." And you could tell this was like like a Vietnam vet all of a sudden. He was like going back to some memory that he didn't want to go back to. And he told me this game called Fireflies. Can I tell you about this game? Sure, yeah. <laughs> He's like, we did Fireflies. And I, as if I would know 
at all what this is. Basically, here's what Fireflies is. Everybody gets in a room. I think you're naked. So I think it's a bunch of dudes naked in a room. Okay. You each light a cigarette. Then they turn the lights off. You put the cigarette in your butt, and you have to run around <laughs> until, like, your cigarette goes out or something like that. And, like, it looks like fireflies because it's, like, dark, and there's just, like, the red cigarette butt. And yeah, I was like, I, I was really good at that game. <laughs> 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 <Go to Schaber>. <laughs> <laughs> That's absurd. I feel like any story like that is, like, a the myth, you know? Like, that should never actually happen. I think it's real because, I mean, how can you make that up? And also... It's the most Indian thing to do to be like, yeah, our hazing is like hardcore, but in the like lamest way. It's not like, yeah, you got to drink and then party and then like go talk to that girl. And like what? It's like, no, we all had to get in the room and like, you know, run around put a cigarette there. up her butt. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. So, I, I believed it. <laughs> I believed yeah, it. I guess. I guess it's true. I mean, yeah. So if he was lying, man, did that just pay off that I like. Took that story, remembered it ten years later, and retold it. He, that would be the best long con ever. Yeah, exactly. If, if, you, if you really pulled that exactly. off, exactly. Um, so then you, so is that? Then you like realized that oh, I could start a restaurant. Well, not really. I realized that. I realized in that thing, I was like, yo, the world is a lot broader than I realized. Like the way I described it is like. I just thought the world was this big. Yeah. Like, oh, I can do one of these three jobs. And at Duke, it's very common. It was like, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer, a banker, a doctor. Like, you just talk to everybody. It's like, what's your plan? Everybody reverts to these. Like, it's like a multiple choice test with A, B, C, D. Yeah, people like, like everyone that I knew, at least, like all my close friends, they just knew, like, they were like, no, we're, we're here to study economics. Right. We're and going we're going to, to be a trader. Right. That's like, literally, we, this is it. Like, my friends were trading stocks in college. I had no idea. Me neither. How any of that worked, I couldn't even start to like fathom what any of that even meant. It intimidated me. I was like, I can't believe that I'm so far behind the curve. These guys are trading already and like building a stock portfolio. And yeah, the I'm guy I lived with, he was trying like, to pass uh, fucking this class about <laughs> bonobos having sex, right. which I literally, one of that's one of my classes that I took. Or biology of dinosaurs, which I got a right. D in, by the way. <laughs> like I literally could barely pass that class and my right. friends are trading stocks. I just felt like such a loser. Yeah. I felt that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I was like, I felt like when I was on campus, everybody was just playing at a different speed, and it's exactly this. So yeah, everybody had these like tracks, and I also had these tracks. And in my family, nobody was a business person, an entrepreneur, nobody was an artist, or a, no, nobody did anything different. So everybody was also on these tracks. And all, when she had these speakers come in, I was like, oh, the answer choices are not A, B, C, D. There's also an E. She created a T-shirt company. Next guy comes in. Oh, there's also an F. He's a hedge fund guy. And I remember, by the way, m most people don't know what a hedge fund guy does. I still barely know. But he was—he told us a kind of crazy story that still stuck with me. He was like, he came in, and he was very observant, which was very different than most speakers. Most speakers stand there, pockets are waiting to be told, like, go. Then they say their spiel. They've said it many times. He was like, so what's, uh, he's a year's in a Mac, huh? And so, yeah, I like Mac. He's like, uh, why, do you like, why do you like Mac? And then we would answer, and he'd be like, did you, did, had you ever used a Windows machine? Or did you switch? He was like, and then I asked him, I was like, how come you keep like asking all these, like, what are you asking these questions for? Like, that's not normal small talk. And he's like, no, um, I have to make a decision whether I'm going to go long or short app. <laughs> he's like, my whole year is basically saying, do I bet that like, I'm, he's like, I'm going to make a $10 million decision on for like pro Apple or short against Apple bet against it. And I was like, that's your whole year, like get a decision. And like, I didn't even. 
again, my worldview was this small. I thought it work meant you go and you focus and you type, 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 and then you stop typing at 5 p.m. and you go home. And this guy was doing some different game, which was like he's making a $10 million bet right. on something. Mm-hmm. And that was going to decide if he was successful or not that year. So I was like, oh, damn, there's all these possibilities. There's all these other possibilities. So I, that intrigued me. That was kind of opened the door, let's say. It opened the door for an idea to come through. And the idea that came through was I tried sushi for the first time when I was 21 years old. And on campus, you know, there's like a subway. At Mount Fuji? Or at Mount Fuji, yeah, exactly. No way, was exactly, it? Exactly, yes. No way. A birthday party at Mount Fuji. Dude, I used to DJ there. <laughs> no, yeah, I swear to God. I've been there many times. I didn't even know there was a DJ slot. Where, where's the Well, DJ we would have slot? like frat parties there and uh, like okay, they would like take all the tables away and then I would be the DJ. But I mean, I was there so often. Like, Yeah, that place is great. I can't believe honestly. that's the first place you tried sushi. And it changed my life because I tried it. I liked it. And I was like, wow, what is this barbecue? They're like, that's eel. I was like, I'm eating eel? No, oh, no. But I was like too far in. I was like, that's, I guess I like eel now. I guess I got to start a business right. selling this. <laughs> right. I guess this is my <laughs> new life mission. And literally that's what happened. I was like, yo, why isn't there a Subway or a Chipotle for sushi? Like, why isn't there just a quicker, faster, like cheaper? Because Mount Fuji's like, that's a sit down restaurant. Yeah, it's very expensive, all that yeah. stuff. So I was like, why isn't there that? And this is before like grocery stores were selling sushi and like little. They were, but it was like, that was just like. I don't know. I, like, I never went to a grocery store when I was on campus. Right. Again, my world was yeah. this small. Like, yeah. I never left the campus. Didn't have a car even. So I was like, okay. Um, all I knew was my f- options that worked on my meal card. Right. So I was like, um, I still didn't think this was a business idea, but I had said that the night before. I was like, dude, somebody should start that. That's that, that's a dope idea. That's a great idea. I was hyping myself up. So now, going back to venture capitalist. Now is speaking at the class, and he goes, okay, enough about me. He, d- he gives his talk. He's like, all right, enough about me. Who here's got an idea? Who's here? Pitch me. I'm a VC. I write checks for a living. Who's got a business idea? And he starts scanning the class from like left to right. I'm on the far end here. And nobody. Like, you ever had eel? <laughs> <laughs> Close your eyes and take a tongue. <laughs> I'm about to blow your mind. Let me tell you about this thing called sushi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you like music, I know a guy who can yeah. give you some details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, he's he's looking across. Nobody raises her hand. Brian Zubek was in this class, by the way, the, the basketball player. Zubek doesn't raise his hand. His seven-foot hand stays down, right? He, he gets all the way to the end. And I'm just like, man, we look like bitches right now. And I could tell the teacher also who I loved her. She was just like, uh, man, I got a bunch of bitches in this class. I brought this guy in, and nobody's got the guts. I, I got an idea. And uh, he's like, all right, finally, what's up? And I told him my sushi for, like, my Chipotle of sushi idea, which... I'm sure knowing like knowing what I know now, he had to have been like, wow, I would have rather there been no idea than this than shitty idea <laughs> that I now have to like, if I shit on this guy and he's the only guy who said anything, then I'm just an asshole. So, you know, he he, he was w- like, that's good. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's an idea. That's definitely that's an out idea. of all the ideas. That's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. So he gave me some of that, and my read of it was like, he loves it. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. And so I was like, I should do this, and I was like, I'm gonna do this. And then they had a pitch competition on, on campus or whatever. So we won this like 25 grand uh, contest, like business plan contest, with this idea. Oh, really? And so once once you win the contest, you're like, well, clearly we have a great business plan. Otherwise, we wouldn't have won the competition about business plans. Again, stupid. Like. Like, at the time, I thought that means it's a stamp of approval. This is a good idea, right? And, and did you write up a business plan and everything? Like a dude, we did like, like an embarrassing. I, I told the story recently, and I was uh, like, I'm so embarrassed at what we did. So we, so we bought into this like hard work, like 
there's like hard work and like, you know, just like this go all the way mentality. And like, that's what winners do. And so when we were supposed to write this business plan, you know, for the competition, I think you could only submit like a five page thing or whatever. But after that, we won the money and now it's like, okay, go do it. Go start this business. And we were like, cool. But like that business plan was just like, you know, quick, like let's do a real one now. So stupid. Like instead of just going and actually like validating the idea, trying it, doing a prototype, we were like, no, let's write a plan. And so we wrote, no joke, a 300 page business plan with a binder where we put the, we printed out a cool logo we had an artist make and like slid it in like, you know, like a, like a third grade girl does into like the front of her binder. And we, and we had everything. We were like uniforms. Here's what our uniforms will look like. We're not going to be like an average restaurant. Like we are going to make our, we're going to wear chef coats because it's going to be dope for that reason. And like promotions, you know, the way I think companies do promotions is dumb and we're going to revolutionize everything. And so we just kept we, before even doing anything. Before just like asking all the, the things simple we're question, does do. anybody want like fast sushi? <laughs> like, yo, like, uh, would that make money or no? Because the fish, like, we didn't ask the like fundamental questions. Instead, we thought we were dotting our eyes, crossing our T's, and and we thought that meant we were like hot shit. And so we took that. We got a meeting with the guy who started uh, Noodles and Company, like a big chain, a successful chain, and we brought it in, and we're like. <laughs> his plan and he's like, take a look what? you know like slid what? it over the table cool. i'll get back to you in six months when i'm done reading all this <laughs> and, and we were like yeah ref-. he asked us a question we'd be like yeah that's in there two two page 210 <laughs> and he was and so i remember and i knew this is when but i was i was smart enough to know that something went wrong we were like eight months in at this point it's so stupid eight but, months of just working on the business plan this man but also like oh let's find a location right. we gotta find the best location and we used to literally sit in a car in front of chipotle's and be like, count customers, and be like, which location gets the most customers? And like, dumbest way to do it. So it's the right idea. You do want to yeah, know yeah. where do people go, but like, most inefficient. And it was all three of us, the co-founders, who were boys. And it was like, dude, I don't want to sit there alone, man. Like, come on. So we'd all sit in a car and just count customers for like a day to like scout one location. Did do it like again, the most rookie of yeah, rookie I mistakes. Is, I think this is a really good point because I think a lot of people get stuck with analysis paralysis. Because especially in their first business, it's like a little bit of a risk. So then you think all this time that you spend thinking about it, thinking about how to do it perfectly or strategically or like the right time is productive when it's not it's at not. all. It's, you just have to take the first step. It's do something of procrastination. It's yes, fancy exactly. procrastination. Yeah. You think you're making progress. And in fact, you're actually not only are you not making progress, you're going the wrong way. Yeah. Because you think, I'm preparing, I'm preparing. It's going to be so the only good when we launch. Prepare, it's going to be so dope. You can't prepare for anything because you have no idea what's going to happen when you actually You don't know what the market wants. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, imagine you wanted to be a YouTuber. If you're like, yo, I'm going to archive like two years of content. And it's like, wait, you're just banking content? Like, yeah, I'm just filming it. I'm editing. I'm scripting. I'm, it's like, you have your channel live? Did you put out a video? Did you see what people thought about it? No. Why? Because I don't want to just rush it, man. I want to like, yeah. you know, it's like, you can talk yourself. It, it sounds stupid the way I'm saying it now, but. Now that I, I invest in a bunch of companies, I advise a bunch of companies, like you see this all the time, actually. This advanced form of procrastination where you use planning as an excuse to not test the hard thing, which is like, does anybody even give a shit about this? Right. Do they want this? Do I can I make this compelling to somebody? And so that's what we were doing. And and because you do that, you drift in the wrong direction because you're not getting market feedback. So then when you finally do launch, you're so far away. Like you would have been better off just starting with nothing and launching than taking it so far in some advanced direction and then you get embarrassed you put two years in now, now you're in debt now all this stuff nobody's right. complimenting the chef coats yeah exactly that's basically what happened <laughs> what the fuck so i'm in this meeting with the guy i got the binder i'm telling him it's on page 210 
And I see like out of the corner of his mouth, I'm like, he almost laughed at that, but he held it in, which means he was laughing at us, not with us. So I was like, in my mind, I immediately was like, code red, something is wrong. Guy who's done exactly what we're trying to do, build a successful chain like this, thinks that it's really dumb that we made this plan and we think we're really awesome because we made this plan. Huge disconnect and he's right, we're wrong. And so like immediately we had had like a, a gut check that day. We go home and I'm like, guys, uh, did you see what I saw? And they're like, what? And I'm like, dude, we are, we're idiots. And I, I was like, what, what month is this? I was like, when did we graduate? It's been nine months. And like, yo, how many sushi rolls have we sold? Zero? Oh, cool. Like how much revenue do we have? Zero? What are we doing? And then and in our minds, it was like, well, you need to have a restaurant and a lease, and then you need to build it out, you need to design the restaurant, then you need a lot. It's like, no, we need to do something. And I, so I was like, look, I don't know how to solve this problem for the restaurant thing, but here's what I do know. We've basically been playing house. Like, I'm serving you imaginary tea, and like, we've been playing fake entrepreneur for nine months. And so I was like, here's what we're doing. This weekend, I, we are going to make $1,000 this weekend. I don't care how we do it. But we have to actually do business and not just like pretend we're doing business and prepare to do business. And that was the best thing we ever did. So we started that challenge and uh, we were like, okay, well, what do we do? We're going to sell something that people want. And like, now we're asking better questions. What's something people want? Can we sell it? Could we profit off that? Yes. Like the basics of real business. Mm -hmm. And we, um, we ended up doing it in this like funny way. We built this, uh, like, I don't know if you ever, like, you remember like Lance Armstrong had those live strong bands. Yeah. There was like a version that came out that was hot for a little bit that was like a much fatter band, like a much thicker band. Like I was kind of like, I don't know, it just looked a little different. Okay. And so we were like, dude, uh, you notice on campus that like a bunch of people were wearing those. Yes. Okay. People were wearing those. Great. Uh, let's see. You know, what's that website you heard of Alibaba where you can like get stuff manufactured? What, what is that website called? And we found the website. We're like, yeah, look, they, they make that thing. That's the exact thing. And we're like, all right, who would want this? And how could we like sell it for more than just a generic? We're like, yo, what if we wrote, and we thought about frats, and we were like, what if we wrote the name of their fraternity or sorority or their sports team or their high school or whatever on it and customize it? Just like basically we're creating a swag store. And, uh, but we thought we were like inventing, you know, whatever, fire. And so we, we did it. And so by the, by the end of this, by the end of that weekend, we had sold $1,400 worth of these like wristbands. Huh. And I was like, oh, and we had made a website. We like hooked up like, you know, whatever square at the time to take payments or some, something, something like that. And we like, we did all the things that actually were right. And I was like, yo, you know what the not last nine months felt like versus like what this weekend felt like? Okay. I don't, I'm not smart enough to put it all together into like some concise answer, but more of this and less of that. And yeah. that just sort of changed the trajectory for, for, you know, the rest of really my career. Huh. That's really interesting. I think there's also something there. Yeah. About just selling something making a little bit of revenue because i think a lot of people too think start like the newsletter ad. business yeah exactly. <laughs> the ad, you broke the seal <laughs> yep. i mean yeah i mean that's kind of how that started was like okay we have a email listserv going like let's try and create content for it and then see if we can sell a spot on it um but i think again like a lot of people get a little bit paralyzed in the start with like they think a business is like yeah, i need a i need a plan and then i have to f- go out and try and find funding Right. It's like you can you, do a lot yourself and then you can get soup you can get far enough to where you make your first sale and actually start generating revenue just by yourself. Totally. Totally. Like uh I have an e-commerce business now and um yesterday I was helping a guy who uh, who wants to start an e-commerce business and he's like, "So how does this work? How does that work?" And I was like, 
Dude, there are answers to all those questions. Like, yes, we use a third-party fulfillment solution. They charge this much per package. And they, you know, it, yes, it does ship internationally. You're asking me a bunch of questions, but like you haven't sold one thing to one person yet. So I'm only going to tell you the three things that you need to know just to get like going. And I'm intentionally not going to tell you the rest, which I think is kind of like what like a good, like um, if you take the martial arts or something like that, right? They're just going to be like, or you go learn boxing. They're not going to teach you like a 12-punch combo. They're going to be like, Here, here's your jab and like, here's your guard. Like, you don't need to ask me questions about other stuff. You don't need to think about other stuff until you can like do those two things. Like do those, do those fundamentals right. And now you're in the game. And then naturally you'll say, okay, the jab's working, but now I only have that one option. What's the th second thing I can do? Oh, now you have this, this second punch yeah, right. that you can throw. And then you sort of layer on things as you go. Um, so I definitely made that mistake early on of thinking I was way overcomplicating things. And now I'm the exact opposite. I'm like this, I'm only going to do dead simple stuff yeah. and make it work, you know? What ended up happening with the sushi place? It worked. So we uh, we we launched it. We didn't end up doing a. What's that? Where was it? In Denver. So I don't oh, know if you know okay. this, but so like, not in Durham. We were in Durham, but then we asked the question like, "Are we in Durham because we already live in Durham, or because this is the best place to do this?" Okay. And it's like clearly not the best place to do this. It's like, well, where? What would be the best place to do this? And well, maybe Denver. <laughs> well, because Denver's where Chipotle started, Noodles Company started, Quiznos started. It's like Silicon Valley of food. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so if you want to get any talent, they all work there. They live there still. I see. And like eight of the big chains have kind of started there: Smash Burger and, and a whole bunch of others. So we went there, whatever, and I got lucky that I, uh, uh, we did another pitch competition. And one of the, the judges was like, hey, come to my office. I want to talk to you guys. I'm like, oh, he wants to write us a check. And he's like, I'm definitely not writing you guys a check. <laughs> like, okay, what, why did you invite us here? He's like, because early in my career, I started a Boston Market franchise. I was a Boston Market franchisee. He's like, first of all, food sucks. Like, don't go in the food business. But you're probably not going to listen to that. I didn't either. People told me that too, and I was hard-headed. You guys are hard-headed. But I'm going to say it. Eventually, you'll realize the food business sucks. He was absolutely correct. Like the restaurant business. The restaurant business okay. sucks. And he's like, uh, don't go into it. But given that you're not going to listen, here's how you should go into it. He goes, don't sign a 10-year lease. Don't put your personal guarantee on the, on the lease. Uh, don't spend all this money on it. He goes, why don't you launch it um, like, like, a, like a virtual restaurant, delivery only? And we were like, delivery? Delivery sucks, dude. And he's like... Um, well, that's the opportunity. Like, what sucks about delivery? I'm like, oh, it's slow. The packaging is all gross. And like, it doesn't feel high end. He's like, great. So you found the three things you're going to improve about delivery. You're going to have awesome delivery. You're going to be so noticeable because you're just going to be not like that. And I heard that. I was like, oh, this is like how an entrepreneur actually thinks. Like, uh, they don't just like complain. They look, they get excited about a complaint because they're like, oh, right, right, if I right. just change those three things, you're saying this would like be way better, right? I found a differentiator. So he told us that. We're like, okay. He's like, Check this out. There's something called a commissary kitchen. You know what that is? I was like, no. Like, do you know what that is? I, I don't know how common no. knowledge this is, but it's like no. it's like what bakers and caterers use. It's like a temp yeah. kitchen. You can go rent it for the hour. Yeah, yeah, okay. They already have the equipment there. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to sign a long-term lease. And you can just cook out of that. So he's like, use that and deliver it. And so we had this crazy setup. We had a webcam on where if you'd ordered, we'd be like, what's up? We got your order. And then we would like make it in this kitchen and we deliver it to you in under 15 minutes in downtown Denver. It was like, we built this cool little setup. You'd pay on the square reader, which was like really early back then. And um, so we did all that, but this was before DoorDash, before Uber Eats, before like delivery apps. And so um, we were just like a little bit early, but it was working. It was profitable what we, but like we were three months in, we were or two months in, we were sort of like, okay, it's working. 
how come this doesn't feel fun? Like, you know, like uh, the guy was right. It was way <laughs> more fun when we were suck. doing the logo and the pitches. Like <laughs> now that I have to wake up at four to go get fresh tuna, this sucks every morning. And like, right. you know, we're cleaning dishes at night and like, I guess we could hire people to do this stuff because it sucks so bad, but then, then we're telling other people to do stuff that sucks so bad. Right. That also doesn't feel that good. And we just like, we weren't, we were just kind of like uneasy. We're like, this doesn't seem like we're all, and like, we just had the realization, like, we're only 21. Like, we're only 22. We can just like not do this. Like, we don't have to go down this path. There's nobody forcing us. The only thing that's forcing us is the societal pressure of like, we told everybody we were going to make this thing work. Right. It's like, dude, honestly, nobody cares. Like, just, do what do what we think is right, and luckily, uh, through whatever some fortunate bounces, somebody had read our blog, had heard about what we were doing because we were creating content as we went. Okay, and he was like, "These guys are cool." He flew us out. He had just sold his company for four hundred million dollars, and was like, "I love your guys' hustle. I've been reading the blog. I've got a new thing. I want some young hustlers. What would it take for you guys to not do the restaurant?" What? This is like a random connection. My dad had met the guy, and he's okay. like, what do your kids do? And he's like, oh, my son's actually doing a sushi. You should check out their blog. And so he started reading it. Oh, okay. And then he flew us out to Australia where he lived, and he was like, hey, like, guys, you know, would you be interested in this? We're like, yeah. He's like, well, what would it take for you to not, to, like, stop doing the, the restaurant thing? And he didn't know that we were like, dude, we're ready to quit. Like, we hate this. So we just named a little number. Like, maybe could have said a higher number. I don't know. We didn't know anything at that time. And we named a number, and he was like, okay, great. Like, when can you start? We're like, Monday, like we won't even go back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we just moved to Australia and did a business with that guy next. And so they, that's how we got out of the sushi thing, which was a failing forward, which is like a very common thing in Silicon Valley. It's like you sort of like you fail all up to the next thing, um, right? Because that because that one wasn't a good idea, but it got me to a better idea, which got me to eventually good ideas. Where in Australia? Uh, Brisbane. Okay, I lived in uh, Sydney for a little bit me too uh amazing place best oh best city i would i would if it was, i would move there honestly if it wasn't like if there was anything there for me <laughs> what does that mean i just like there's no i don't know like my entire life and networking career if you guys if you guys move yeah <laughs> no it's like my family and you know all the all that Stuff. shit you yeah, know yeah. <laughs> i need details the, yeah exactly <laughs> it's just so far and i don't know like if it was closer i would go there all the fucking time yeah. I love it. But the other thing about Australia, when you were there, did you uh, did you work there or you studied abroad there? Uh, no, I was there. I mean, I guess I worked. I like was my buddy and I like both quit our jobs after I was in Silicon Valley for 2 years. He was in Seattle working for Microsoft for 2 years and then we both quit when we were like 23 and traveled Southeast Asia and then along the way we were doing software projects to try and generate revenue. Right. And in the same time at the same time, like teaching ourselves like Node.js and like how to code back end and front end so that when we got back, we could like get jobs as full stack engineers. Right. And so one of the places we lived for a little bit was Sydney, working on these software projects and learning how to surf and trying to make money. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I bet that's like a like a time of your life that you, uh, I don't know, do you look fondly back at that? That's, oh, yeah. That sounds like amazing. I mean, it was like a lot of partying, probably way too much. <laughs> But yeah, you it make it also, sound like you were really like diligently preparing for your career. <laughs> I mean, like nobody it, goes to honestly, Sydney to was, do that. It was like half <laughs> half preparing for our career and half like you know just like drinking at at hostel right. bars and like when we moved to Australia, it was like oh we're gonna be so cool, 
<laughs> like, you know, where these two guys just backpacking and we realize like a lot of people do that, <laughs> A. And B, like everyone in Australia is way cooler than we so are. So cool. I mean, like everyone is like tall and tatted and just surf like their entire life. Right. And we are this like these dorky like American and Canadian guys that, you know, would just come through in tattered clothing because we were backpacking for eight months wearing a, you know, like a tank top that says Cambodia beer on it. I'm like, what's up, guys? And they're like, who are they're you, like, what's mate? up, cliche? Yeah. And they're like, hey, what? Who are you? <laughs> well, uh, one of our first businesses that we started together, this is Devin, the guy who ended up starting Cameo. And uh, we invest together now, too. But one of the first businesses that we started together was while we were traveling. And it was, we wrote the whole thing, back end and front end. Wait, but and- are you like a Winklevoss twin? Like, you missed Cameo? Like, you were buddies with this guy. <laughs> you built the iPhone programmers. You like... You're like, yeah, I was telling him about this idea. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess I kind of did. Is there like drama? I don't know anything about No, no, no. There's, there's zero drama. I mean, sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh, man, I would have been nice to... Like, I could have I could have invested in the very beginning. You're like, $100 million dollars like, would be nice. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, but I was like so, so like already deep into YouTube and things were really taking off for me back then too. Right. I was on a completely different path, you know? Like, yeah. I in a different journey and I was just like really enjoying what I was doing. It was like really fulfilling. I was, you know, living my dream sort of like being able to make videos and make content for a living and stuff that like the thought of all of a sudden going heads down on a startup. Right. It just was like, did not appeal to me, but, and I, Sounds and I really like, like at the beginning, managed I was your like, expectations pretty well there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and at the beginning, you know, it like everything seems obvious in hindsight, but at the beginning is like this, dude, this is an absurd idea. Like, you know, everyone thought that. And I'm not, I'm not saying I, I necessarily thought that or explicitly right. said that because I knew the power of an audience. Yeah. And I knew because I was already selling like merch and stuff like that. So I knew like, you know, this this could definitely I mean, be something, but like selfies it's, the new it's a risk, like, right? That, that makes sense. Yeah. And it just seemed like... like, But it didn't work right away, right? It was no, like, you know, they tried it with athletes. And it, it, well, I mean, it worked for me. Like, that's how I knew, okay, you guys are onto something for sure. I was like one of the first people on it. I think, I forget who, Cassius Marsh, I yeah, I think was the very first person on it. And I was like in the first five. Right. And it used to run. It was like a Telegram bot. It wasn't even like a dedicated website or an app or anything like that. Right. And I advertised that I was doing this for five bucks or whatever. And I got like a bunch of bookings. So like right there, I was like, okay, this is definitely something cool. Right. And you weren't making money make on Vine before no. that, right? So. Yeah, exactly. So what's your... you? Uh, you're at Duke. You're like, I'm going to be a YouTuber? Or where did no, that... No, no, no. Like- I was a computer science guy uh really just super interested in like you know iphone i taught myself right how to write i didn't really know what i wanted to do but i knew i wanted to do something in tech because i just love tech so senior year i again everyone was doing internships i had no idea what the fuck i was gonna do my friends were like already had done internships for the last two summers right and i had gone back and worked at a restaurant and gotten fired and like you know i just was like i was like i don't know what to do i'm scared yeah so i was like everyone's using apps though they seem to be the next big frontier of tech so and they don't teach you how to write ios for some reason in CompSci at that time so i was like okay i'll just buy a book and teach myself so i did and the way i taught myself was by writing this app that was kind of a copy of an app that already existed which was like you'd upload a picture and it would put a random caption on it but you had to pay for that app it was like two bucks and the captions weren't funny so I was like, I'll make, I'll do the same thing. I'll make it free, and my friends and I will just get drunk and think of hilarious captions. And what we did is, I did that, but then the app kept getting rejected because there was so much profanity in it. 
So I gamed the review system and I had a local database that was timed right. with all the dirty captions. Right. I had one clean captions and one dirty <laughs> captions. So Only the after, after review approval, process yeah. Yeah, was seven days always. And like by the fifth day, it would get reviewed. So at seven days, then they would all release. So then I waited for it to get accepted. I released the dirty captions and then the app went completely viral and everyone and their mom was using it. And it's a great story. The- so then I and it ended up getting acquired. Um, by a company in Silicon Valley, and then they hired me in the process. Gotcha. So I sold it for sixty grand cash and sixty grand equity in this company. Amazing. And I moved to Palo Alto. And you got Alto. to do this this sit down. I did a Pando Daily interview. Nice. Which was pretty cool. I thought I was the next Zuckerberg. That's where he coined the term frictionless. If I, yeah, frictionless. I said frictionless, and oh, that's good. That became a giant meme. <laughs> but anyways, another business that we started when we were in Australia was it was a gift card service. It was like. For five bucks, you could send anyone in the world a gift card that said, hey, on the front. You open it, it says, fuck you, in small letters. And we use this, like, But there's printing... also a gift card? Or do you just mean, no, like, no, sorry, a, a, a just e-card? Card. Okay. card, yeah, yeah. No it, was a, it was a gift card no gift. for zero dollars. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. That's funny. That is Damn, funny. that's really funny. That is good. Um, but there was this printing service that allowed you to do that, and you could hook into it okay. via API, and it was called Lob, I think. Yeah, and so we built this little business, and then like we were getting customers every single day. People just sending cards to their friends and right. people across the world that just say "fuck you." Yeah, yeah. the The story you just told, by the way, I don't know. If, uh, have you ever done the Y Combinator application? Did you ever? We did. Yeah, we applied for Y Combinator with with a separate idea that was. Well, they have that one question that has turned out to be like a really uh, high predictor of success, which is tell me about a real world system you've gamed or broken, like a, a, a real world system. And so your, your story about breaking the app review system, like, like sort of oh, getting around it is yeah. like a good example of that. Like, you know, had this thing that kind of knew would go viral, but just this one wall and here's how I got around it. Right. And, yeah. And so that, and now that I invest in a bunch of companies, I've realized how important, like, it's like, how can I figure out with a higher likelihood who's actually going to be the one that like figures shit out and gets things to work? And it's usually somebody who has a bunch of stories like this. Mm. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I can. It's, it's no surprise to me that you're successful in whatever you try because somebody who does that is going to do the next interesting thing and do the next. Like, they're going to do the greeting card that says "fuck you," and it's going to be the the simplest idea, but it actually works. Right. And then they're going to do the next thing, and then they're going to create YouTube videos or whatever. Like, that is such a. a a good predictor. And I think it's great because usually people don't look for that. They look for, I don't know what school you went to and whatever else. Or if you're one of the people who do that, you don't think about that as like a really positive thing. Like, it's just sort of like, I don't know, I had to do it or like, you know, I don't know. I thought it was funny. So I did it that way. And, um, I think people should really value that more because it like that being able to do that with any system means like the next system you see, you're going to find the, the shortcut, the loophole, the the way around the obstacles to get to, what to whatever it is that you want. Yeah. I mean, I feel like shortcuts aren't always good, but it's definitely good to like stay resourceful and and see an opportunity in a challenge or a difficulty. Yeah. Not like shortcuts aren't good if you see something that doesn't have a shortcut and you're like, I don't want to do it because I'm only interested in shortcuts. Right. Right. That's the person you don't want to be. But if you're the person that basically looks at something long and doesn't just something that's long and hard and tedious and whatever, and doesn't just accept it as like, I guess I have to do it. Yeah. It's like, well, there's a reason that like a lot of the best people are the ones who are almost like laziness is a trait where they're like, I didn't want to do this every morning. So I automated it. Well, now you're more efficient. Right. Um, But they weren't afraid to do it every day 
until they found a shortcut and until they found a better solution. So do you look for that when you're hiring? Like, is that what you look for is sort of problem solving? And yeah, I only look for problem solving. Uh, Cause I'm like, dude, if we're doing a new thing, it's unlikely that you've done exactly what we're trying to do. So I'm not looking for, do you have the experience? Cause that's what everybody thinks about when hiring. Oh, I don't have experience or they, they require seven years of experience. Uh, in fact, when I moved to Silicon Valley from Australia, I had I didn't do a job search. I only found one company that I wanted to work for, and it was basically this company called Monkey Inferno. And like it's like goofy name caught my attention. I was like, what do they do? And the story was there was a billionaire who had started four successful tech companies. The last one was a big one, sold for eight hundred fifty million dollars. And now he's like, what do I want to do? Well, I just like building shit. So I'm gonna fund my own idea lab. I'm going to hire 20 engineers and I'm just going to build it and we're going to own the whole thing. We don't need any outside capital. And I was like, wow, baller move. I want to work with that guy. So um, I just went all in on this thing. And I was like, okay, what jobs do they have open? And they didn't, I was like engineer or product manager, which I didn't even know what that was. I didn't like, what's a product manager? I had no idea. But also the requirement was like, so I was like, do I fit this requirement? And it was like seven plus years of experience in product management Ideally at big companies like Google, Facebook, whatever. And I was like, oh, like, you know, yeah. I haven't even used Facebook for seven years, yeah. you know, like at this point. But I sent him an e- a cold email and I was like, you know, dear Michael, um, I'd like to apply for a job that I'm completely unqualified for. But the next three paragraphs, I think will convince you that I'm the man for the job. And like, you know, I kind of went in with that and I, and I was like, and by the way, like, you know, I didn't want to make a resume. Like I actually made a website that like shows you, you know, who I am. And, and the website was just tailored just to this company. So it wasn't like, here's something about me. It's like, yo, here's what I can do for this, for you guys. Ah, I see. And so he knew that I really wanted this job. And, uh, and then I just kept going. It, like they would interview me. They're like, we like you, but like you have no relevant experience on paper. And I was like, okay. So I was like, how do I convince them that I could do a good job here? Well, what if I just started doing the job before they hired me? And I was like, okay, so what, what would I do? If they need, uh, you know, they need to figure out how to make their product better. So I would call up customers of their product and be like, what do you like about the product? What do you dislike about the product? Put it into a slide deck, be like, hey, I had some free time this weekend. So I did this, uh, check out this presentation. And they're like, oh, I didn't ask him to do it. And like, I know I no longer have to guess if he can do the job because he's literally just doing the job for free uh, just to prove that he can do it. And so that's how I ended up getting that job. And then so you got it. I ended up getting that job. That's what the, I moved out to Silicon Valley. Uh, I moved out to Silicon Valley, then got the job the next week, basically the final interview. And, uh, and then within six months, Michael, the main guy who, the, who, who owns the thing, named me CEO of the entire thing. What? Yeah. It was like a crazy, like uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory moment where like Willy Wonka's like, Charlie, you know, it's yours. And I was like, wow, like I'm the youngest person in this company. I got no experience. And I remember really, literally my response was, crazy. <laughs> my response was like, are you sure? <laughs> Which was like, in retrospect, not the most confident of replies, <laughs> but it's how I felt. I was like, what? I thought I was getting fired. Cause he, he's like, Hey, instead of coming into the office, let's meet at this neutral site. I have something to discuss with you. And I was like, oh man. Cause I had been just changing shit. I was just like, I would just do whatever I thought was common sense. I was like, all right, I don't have any experience. I'm just gonna do whatever seems right. And I was just like, pretty like bold with it. I was like, ah, I'm not just going to like sit around and just hope nobody notices me. I'm going to like go for it. Right. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, Hey, I'll probably be home at lunch. I think I'm going to fire today. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Michael's like, you know, he never says serious stuff. Like we have something to discuss and he's taking me offside. I think that's what they do when they fire you. So you don't like create a scene. 
I, don't know, I saw that in Jerry Maguire, and I was like, <laughs> okay. I was like, I think that's what's happening yeah. here. I'll be home for lunch, but uh, it's okay. You know, I learned a bunch, and that's how I went into that meeting. <laughs> just like solemn, like, yeah, just fine. Lay it on me. Let's hear it. And I didn't even understand. CEO! Yeah, we'd like to fire you from your current job so that you can be CEO. <laughs> well, actually, he started it in a funnier way, which was it was him and his wife sitting next to each other. He's like, you know, Sean, when you when you meet someone, sometimes you just know. And I thought he was talking about like their love. And I, was, I was like, and I was like, what does this have to do? Just fire me already. Like, you know, what does this have to do with anything? I don't That'd be such a crazy move. I don't want to hear like, this shit. Isn't my wife the best? I love her so much. You're fucking fire, by the way. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, what a dick, man. Like, I don't My like wife it. and I are sick of your shit. <laughs> Super in love. We don't agree on everything. But we fucking love but each we other. Agree that you but suck. we hate you. <laughs> so did it go well? Like you No, I kind of botched it to be honest. Like I tried my best, but in, in I mean, the, the goal was build like the next big thing. Like if you're in Silicon Valley, that's the goal for everybody. Build the next big thing. And like sure enough, I didn't build the next big thing. We built something that ended up selling. It wasn't like a huge exit. Uh, but like, you know, it was good for me and the team and all that. So that, that, that was positive. But in retrospect, it's like, man, I had every, you know, all the funding, all the engineers, total freedom, choose whatever project you want. Like I have nothing to blame. Like I could have like the fact that I didn't, you know, hit a home run there, there was no lack of anything. Like, cause if you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, like, yeah, we just couldn't raise the money or, you know, whatever my yeah. co-founder quit or whatever. It's like, no, I, I had it all. I had like super smart people and the funding and the the time and the freedom and whatever. I had all of it. And it just, you know, but I was like 24 years old. I just didn't really understand what to do. And also the thing we were going for was sort of like a, yo, can you go catch lightning in a bottle real quick? Uh, it's like our goal was build like the next Snapchat or Twitter right, or whatever. Right. Like, that's what we were going for. Because right. the previous company he had sold was a social network. That was competing against Facebook early on. Oh, okay. He got bought for $850 million. MySpace got bought and Facebook became the big one. Right. And so he was like, yo, Facebook, everybody hates Facebook, right? Let's go for another one. Yeah. And so we were trying to build these like messaging apps and cool shit. And yeah, like, we did the same shit. I, we have everybody very, wants to do that, right? Because that's yeah. the creme de la creme. If you could do that in entrepreneurship, if you could build the, the Twitter, the yeah. YouTube, like, you know. The, the company that I started working for was, was a mobile ad network. That's what they did. But. I was like part of their like little like labs. Concourse lab, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where the CEO was like, okay, let's like let's build the next thing. And I was right. like, fuck yeah, I'm down because I was 22. I was like all over social media. Yeah, let's do it. And so we started building like we're like Snapchat's blowing up, right? That's like when it first came out, I was yeah. blowing the fuck up. I was like, let's do that for video. Yep. And so we started working on it and we spent like months and months working on this. And like a, a month before launch, my buddy was, or my the CEO was like, ah, oh, man, Snapchat just came up with video. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, ah, oh, damn, didn't see that one coming. We we're like, fuck. So what do we do? So then we changed it. We pivoted. We took all the code that we wrote and made it like a, <laughs> it was like, it was like an app where like you send someone random a video, like random a video, and then you get one back. And oh, like I you... tried an app like that. It was, it was called Fling, the app I tried, where you would literally just fling a video. <laughs> yeah, we did. It was like a paper airplane. Was a little bit, and then somebody our, would our name was back. a little bit less. It was a little bit worse than that. It was called ClipChat. <laughs> I actually used ClipChat. I think I've used ClipChat. Or there's a lot of apps that sound like ClipChat. Yeah. And HipChat. Yeah, and like yeah, you know, yeah. KipCut. <laughs> what it turned out. To be is just a lot of dudes jacking off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The app lit. never even got accepted. I don't. I don't think because it was just like you know you get if there's any random video, you know if that's ever a part of the <laughs> thing that you're building, it's gonna end up being dudes jerking right, off. Right. 
Yeah, that's like a physics so. law. It's like Newton's exactly. Yeah, yeah, if it yeah. can be done, <laughs> yes, exactly. A dick will yeah, be the yeah, content yeah. That, that comes out of this app. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, a big question I have for you is: What do you think? You're great at building businesses, and the last one of the episodes, one of your last episodes, episodes, you were talking about creators, you know, build that have built something worth fifty million or more or something like that. And we actually just had Derek from More Plates More Dates nice. on our podcast and chatted with him and. I'm good friends with Emma Chamberlain. She's got Chamberlain Coffee. Right. What do you think I should do? Because I feel like comedy is like, yeah. it's hard to turn that into like a... No, no, no. You started with like, oh, it's hard because... So, no. Right? Okay, okay. Well, why is it hard? Why is it hard because of comedy? Well, I mean, I feel like with other... Like with working out, with fitness, with cooking, these are all like very linear, the path from like we're making content to this is the product that you sell. Yeah, Because okay, it's like I, I get that. spatula, cookbook... Uh, cooking tools. People that watch that shit will buy that. With comedy, it's like whoopee cushion. No. <laughs> exactly. What the fuck? Well, like clown. Like, but you like guys a, are more than just know? comedy, right? Because like you've been doing this for a long time, and you're like you're not just like a flat two dimensional object, right? You got you got layers, bro. So you you know you have different Thank things you. that you're interested in, and you also probably have things that you stand for. So like you know, uh, I'll give you an example on our podcast. Like one of the phrases that like took off was. I read this review from this guy like in Kenya or something like that. And his thing was like, my first million, best business podcast out there, only big money, no small boy stuff. And I just <laughs> thought it was so funny. I was like, man, this guy made that our podcast sound like dope. Like, yeah. it's not that dope, <laughs> you know, but like I thought it was cool. And so I started saying this no small boy stuff because I was like, you know, there are all these things I do in my life that are just like such like, that's a small boy behavior. <laughs> it's like, what am I? I'm complaining about the, uh, you know, like, oh. Uh, Our whole podcast is a small, small boy, boy behavior. behavior. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally two small boys behaving. Yeah. <laughs> well, behaving about poorly. Yeah. Like, you know, we're now creating like a, a channel just called Small Boy. But like, you know, it, we're going all in on that. But like the the thing that, you know, if I came here and I was like, yeah, the weather. Like, dude, talking about the weather when you mean something, small boy stuff. Okay, right? Okay. I just started identifying all these moments where it's just like. Uh, yeah, I did this because I was, you know, I didn't ask for the raise, you know, even though I wanted one and felt I deserved one. A small boy, that's a small boy decision you make. Okay. That's okay. You just label it and then don't do that stuff anymore. Right. So like I started realizing there's all these things in my life that, you know, are, are like that. And, and people, it resonate with the audience in a way that's like, uh, um, they like that. That's part of the ethos. Right. And I'm sure you guys have like something you guys stand for. Like I asked a buddy or I texted this guy on my way over here who's younger, he's like 21, 22. He used to like be kind of like an intern for me when he was 18. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm going to do Cody Ko's podcast. Oh, Cody Ko's awesome. I was like, nice. What do you know about him? I don't know a lot. And he was like, uh, I was like, tell me, what do you really like about his podcast? Because that'll kind of give me a good idea. And he goes, he's like, I feel like they just cut through the BS, man. They don't like, they, he's like, they keep it real. And they don't like, he's like, sometimes they do like kind of call outs on like influencer slash like BS stuff that's out there. Um, He's like, but you just like really trust them because they're not going to like, I don't know. They're like, he's like, I just really trust them because they're, they, you know, they don't like do the BS that most people do. Most YouTubers do most whatever do. I don't know how true this is or not. Like, okay. is that even accurate? Like, is that a good description of you guys? Or? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. So yes. I think like, you know. Yes, yes absolutely. It is. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't so know. like, for example, this product is an example of that. What is this? This is water. And basically, I feel like there's a lot of bullshit around this, though. <laughs> but that, it's ironic, right? Like, right, the, right. The yeah, product yeah. is ironic. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And and the people like it not because they're like actually think this is hardcore water. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. 
No, it's just like, yeah, actually, bottled water is like one of the stupidest, most BS things that there is. Right, right. You can kind of like do a cool, you can like make a less BS version of that, which is like, you know, put in aluminum cans, not doing plastic. Um, but then secondly, like, well, the branding doesn't need to be like, you know, it's from the mountains of whatever. Yeah. Like, no, this is going to be the thing you drink with doesn't make you look like lame at a party. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it's on brand. It's humorous. The whole idea is humorous. Like of what it is, it's kind of an ironic product. So if I was you, what I would do is I would start with, I would try to find a product category that's good. Like bottled water is an amazing product category. And I heard this once and I never like unheard it, which was this guy who's built like, um, he built like. Uh, one of these method soap. It's like a popular yeah. soap company, yeah, yeah. and he built Welly band, to... Band-Aids company. Okay. Um, he's done three that are like big. Was method soap, like the natural soap one? It's the, not, and his thing yeah, was I like. Yeah, his How I Built This, I think. Yeah, and his thing was like, dude, if you look at the back of these things, like if you can't understand what any of these ingredients are, like yeah. do you really want to spray that all over your kitchen? Right. And you're like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Like, nope. Yeah, I like that. I like this what this guy's all about, you know? And then he did another one, which was like Welly Band-Aids. Um, He's like, yeah, if you just, he's like, I go to a grocery store and I just look for, I'll go walk down the aisles and I look for just a sea of sameness. He's like, if, he's like, so the band aid section was just like, it's all the same. And he's like, so then I'm like, there's an opportunity here. How would we do a band aid company? And he's like, we just kind of stands for like, you know, we're, we're, we're lighthearted where everyone else is serious. We, um, you know, if everybody else is prioritizing one thing, we're going to prioritize like the other side. So he's like, for example, he's like, all band aids are nude colored but like not actually your skin color, but like they're trying to blend in and just sort of hide the blemish where he's like, dude, battle scar. Like every cut is a story. Right. So he's like, let's make it like a talking point. Like, let's make it something you would look at. And he tells this great story around it. And in reality, it's just like, kind of like how kids band-aids just have like cartoon, cartoons <laughs> yeah, on them, yeah, yeah. like cartoons on band-aids. It's not that big of a deal, but like when you hear him say it, you're ready to like, you know, take out your credit card and buy. I see. Okay. And so if I was you guys, I'd basically pick a product category that's kind of serious and I would do the lighthearted, humorous version of it. Um, and I would make the whole branding, the packaging, the, and like the core products, you know, what's inside is kind of the same, but the way it's delivered and what it stands for is awesome. And I think we did this example recently of, um, what's that, the Daily Wire, like they're the, the right wing, like uh, media yeah, company? Yeah, the Razor Company. The Razor Company. Yeah, yeah that's, I, that's a great I example no, of one, I right? I have no idea about that. It yeah, is do, a great do example. Do you guys know about this thing? Jeremy's Razors. Yeah, I remember reading about it like, um, <laughs> I, I think I texted you about it, Cody, like a couple months ago. They did something big. So I just heard about this. It's a good, like, it's look a at really that homepage, like the, the previous thing where the guy's on the throne, right? Like Dollar Shave Club was an example of this, yeah. right? They're like, dude, these razors, you got to change them. They're so expensive. BS. And they started out by like going to war with like Gillette or whatever, right? They came out with one viral video. Yeah. And like, bro, that's your thing. Like you guys are, the factory, yeah, he's walking yeah, through yeah. the thing and he's like, you know, my grandpa had like lupus but he still had time to shave or whatever. I don't remember yeah. what he says, but he just says like, you know, humorous things. And that built this huge wait list. Why? Cause it's like, it's a commodity product. So like if anybody comes out with an interesting version, I have no problem switching toothpaste. For example, if y'all came out with a toothpaste or mouthwash, you know, right. Called don't, down. don't stank. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I, I want, I, I use, I use stank, yeah, you know, yeah. mouthwash. Why? Because it's just, if I go there, I'm going to see a sea of sameness. Meat flavored toothpaste. Meat Write flavored that down. Toothpaste. Deodorant, <laughs> uh, you know, like, like Manscaped is a good example of this. Yeah. Yeah. Manscaped took a boring category, just added a little personality yeah. and then marketed the hell out of it. Jeremy's razor is doing that too. And I think these guys did uh, some crazy number. I forgot what it was. We said it on the podcast, but they did like tens of millions of dollars, like right off the launch. Yeah. Just by being like, F Harry's razors, those guys are, you know, basically he's like, these guys are pussies for like, 
canceling our their ads with us. Yeah, I mean they have the whole power of like polarity right on their side. Right, but and yeah, I, I, it's I really think you good guys have like, like the the like I don't know what you would call it, but like the it's like the dude on Reddit, you know, like you know, it's like somebody who's like <laughs> that's an insult. Is it? I don't know. That's a powerful like. <laughs> Reddit's so powerful. I, I would love to have Reddit on my side. But I think you guys appeal to a dude on Reddit because you're not a tryhard. You are internet like kind of native. You're like relatable in age, but you're kind of aspirational because like, dude, he just gets to do this all day. This is dope. Like, you know, I have to go and whatever, do this crappy job. And so like you kind of, ha- I think you guys have them on your side and you could like almost sell out in a humorous way. So for example, when I was at Twitch, I thought the big, uh, I worked at Twitch after we got acquired and I went from a 20 person company to 2000 person company. And at first, everything I saw, I was just like, man, they're so dumb the way they do this. They're so dumb the way so they, they named do this. you CEO. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Uh, I love the CEO. He's awesome. Uh, but like the, the most of the things I saw in the company, I was like, man, big company stuff. Yeah. And it's like a common entrepreneur yeah. trope. It's like big company, dumb, startup, cool. Yeah. Um, but there was one thing they did that I thought was so awesome, which was Amazon, who bought Twitch, mm-hmm. was like, yo, you need to promote Prime Day. And Twitch was just like, oh, God, we got to promote Amazon. People already don't like that we're owned by Amazon. It's kind of like Amazon's the big giant. We're kind of counterculture as our, our brand. Um, we're going to have to, what, push Prime memberships? Like, how do you sell that in a fun way? That's not cool. Already our streamers, like, we can't force them to do something. So, like, how are we going to get them to want to do this? Is that why they did the Prime the Prime sub? No, no. The Prime sub was kind of like a little bit before that. But okay. This was Prime Day, which is like, yo, get everybody to go buy on gotcha, the store today. Okay. Like sell. It's like their Black Friday. Yeah. Like yeah Amazon's right. own Black Friday. Right. And so they created this thing called Twitch Sells Out. And it was like this 80s marketing. It was like, Twitch sells out. And then they brought the streamers on. There's like a QVC looking ad. <laughs> and they like they were like, if we're going to sell out, then we should just like, don't hide the fact that we're selling out. Because then everybody's just going to call us out. For selling out right, to Amazon right, right. and whatever, our corporate overlords, overlords. Instead, like lean into that hard and make it funny, because then people will forgive it because it's funny. Yeah, and so we kind of did that with our eBay thing. Yeah, that we did sort of What'd you same sort of deal. We had an eBay, uh, like you know, brand deal where they like paid us to make some videos and promote like products for right. their like better than new refurbished. Uh, feature and we did the same sort of thing like QVC, like us like testing the products, but. Made it like super, you know, sketchy right. and funny. But the other thing I would do is I would just not promote anyone else's products. I would only promote your own products. It's just a different mindset, right? Like, I, I guess I shouldn't say you should do this. It's only if you wanted to build a kind of a business backend empire on top of this. It's to me, it's so doable. But the big mindset shift I had was like, I used to just build audience and then be like, cool, I got a sponsor. Let me shout their brand out. Yeah. And at some point, I'm like, if they're giving, and I used to be so happy, oh man, they're giving me five grand, 10 grand, 25 grand for this. This is amazing. And then I was like, but if they're giving me 25 grand, they're getting and a they're lot more off that. Way more, yeah. If they keep coming back, this is like clearly working for them. Yeah. And like here, I'm just a dancing monkey for them. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, the way to do this is to basically just like understand that that inventory of like me telling people about a product is way worth way more than I, it's definitely worth more than I'm getting paid for it because otherwise they wouldn't pay this like they're getting a return on their investment that they keep coming back and giving me this um so why don't I capture more of that value by by actually being the one who does it because not only would you then like for example when they promote in your pro, in, in they pay let's say they pay you 10 grand they make 30 grand off that thing so they got three times their money back 
if you actually own the underlying company, companies are valued now on a multiple of revenue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're not only did you get the thirty grand, now you're also valued on, let's say it's a four x or five x multiple of revenue. So now you've created not just, not only did you turn down the 10, 10 grand sponsorship to get thirty grand, your company is now worth one hundred twenty grand because it's able to do that much in revenue. Right now, that you just keep multiplying those numbers up, and it gets pretty big. And so. I think a lot of YouTubers have kind of figured this out. Well, thanks for that's good advice. I'm definitely going to brainstorm. I have a couple ideas. I'm working on a couple things already that I'm really excited about. But yeah, I am shifting to that mindset where it's like for so long I was like elated that I could do this for a full-time job and get these big sponsorship money and everything and with the podcast it's like that's kind of like comes with the trade but also with uh you know with YouTube and everything it's like I've kind of shifted to that mindset recently where it's like you know, these companies are, yeah, they're paying me a lot of money, but it's also like, that means that they're generating way more than that right? <laughs> just from me. So why not do this for my own thing? So that definitely is, it's in line with what I've been thinking about recently, which is good. Thanks for the advice. I appreciate it. Yeah. And thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. It was fun. This is like the first time I've actually done this for an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? It's your first business, podcast? Oh. First podcast ever. How did yeah, I, I do? Like, what? How did I do? This is an elaborate setup. For that. Yeah. Eight months of writing a business plan and yeah. building a set. Honestly, it paid off. This is amazing. No, it was the first time well, I've were, like sat down and like talked business with someone for a little bit or about business. You were worried about it. You were like, because I called you before and I was like, what are we going to talk about? And you're like, yeah, it's going to be, you know, I like business, but you know, like I haven't done a lot of these. Yeah. Um, so let's debrief. Like, did you did did this go how you wanted it to? Yeah, it was great. It was great. I mean, I love. What do you think the reaction is going to be? I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, do you care about that stuff? Like, what's the reaction going to be? Yeah, I mean, I care because this podcast is still somewhat new since we've relaunched it. It's still kind of finding its footing. So to jump around like this from like you know just straight up comedy to business to training or whatever can be not good. So like, I'm still kind of trying to trying to find a path, but. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I really enjoyed talking with you. So it's that's a win for me. All right, great. So thanks, man. Uh, check out my first million, and uh, anything else you want to plug? Yeah, we're trying to get our we're trying to get our YouTube channel. So to sub be, to their be, YouTube. Yeah, sub to the we we call it the gentleman's agreement. If you enjoyed this this section, if you enjoyed this content that you got for free, the gentleman's agreement. The only way you could pay back what you just got, go sub on YouTube. Right. That's the yeah. uh, that's the the only thing we ask for is a YouTube sub for my first million. There you go. Thanks, guys. And uh, we'll see you next time.